0: Welcome back to another episode of Win Championship Repeat, Boston Sports Podcast, where we're going to start our podcast with the Patriots, uh, week uh, one of the uh, preseason uh, football, playing the Houston Texans, and then we're going to go and look at um, some other uh, news in the world of Boston sports. So I wanted to start with the first preseason game. And in preseason, really what you're looking for if you're a head coach is what players are deserving of being on your roster. And you're trying to find what you think could be important pieces for uh, your roster and guys that could have a real role with the team. And so the Patriots ended up losing 20-9 to against the Houston Texans. And didn't look good after Q1. Um, we saw no Mac Jones in the game. We saw Zappi, who played, uh, had 79 yards, 12 of 14. Malik Cunningham, 3 of 4, 19 yards. And Trace McSorley, 1 of 3, 4 yards. Um, Davis Mills, 9 of 12, 99 yards, 1 touchdown. Case Keenum, 9 of 14, with 1 touchdown. and. C.J. Stroud, 2 of 4, 13 yards, um, one interception. Obviously, C.J. Stroud wasn't going to, uh, play a lot as the top choice for the Texans. Um, their, uh, number two overall pick doesn't seem likely that he was gonna do much more than just a few snaps, but the Patriots, um, didn't really get a ton from their, uh, their passing yards the run game we saw no Ramondre stevenson but we saw malik cunningham five carries 34 yards one touchdown pierre strong jr six carries 21 yards kevin harris eight carries 10 yards um and bailey Zappi one carry for six yards now uh, a lot of people have been saying malik cunningham had a very good game and there is some out there uh i was watching a clip from pat mcafee he said that uh there's the potential for him to be a Julian Edelman type quarterback who becomes a wide receiver. He apparently had at uh, Louisville more rushing yards than Lamar Jackson when he was at Louisville. So um, there is that. Um, and uh, Patriots, uh, hopefully they like what they see from, uh, see from him. Uh, targets receiving-wise, uh, we've got a lot of uh different guys who uh stepped in uh Tyquan Thornton two receptions 31 yards Trey Nixon four receptions 23 yards Pierre Strong Jr 3 for 12 Scotty Washington one for 11 JJ Taylor two for 11 Keshawn Boutte two for 7 um and uh that's about all we got there um Tank Dell for the Houston uh receiving five uh for 65 one touchdown alex botchman two for 11 yards one touchdown i think tank dell was um a rookie is a rookie this year um and uh so he played uh we saw one fumble from calvin munson which he recovered and davis mills lost that fumble um defensive side of things uh we ended up seeing one sack from denzel perryman uh and we saw one from Daniel Ukali on the uh, New England side of things. Uh, they only had one sack. Um, we saw a sack from Kurt uh, H- Hinnish, uh, Houston. And Chase Vinovich, former Patriot, had one sack in this game. Um, and that's uh, all we got uh, right there. Um, we didn't really see a ton of uh, Will Anderson, uh, who was, the I believe, the third overall pick. But... Um, nothing uh, wrong with that. Um, save your best players. Uh, Jalen Mills had one interception for 13 yards. Um, kick return, uh, Pierre Strong Jr., one for 31, and Isaiah Bolden, who was the best kick returner in college football, one for 26. Marcus Jones was great on special teams, but Isaiah Bolden could take that spot if Marcus Jones has to um, bring himself into a more permanent cornerback role, so um, New England, that's their situation, Uh, we didn't see um, anyone kick besides Nick Folk, Uh, well Nick Folk was the only one who got points, field goal, we did see punting, uh, four punts 200 yards for Bryce Behringer, two punts 83 yards for Corliss Waitman, so there's that, Um, and it looks like Behringer might be taking the spot. I'm very uh, interested in seeing how Patriots go about their kicking situation because it more than likely looks like they're going to have a new punter. But what about kicking? And so are they going to decide to have an all-rookie special teams kick-punt duo? Or are they going to try and keep Nick Folk around just for um, the time being? Um, I don't really know. Uh, Patriots uh, got the, the big L... They will be playing against the Packers in their next showdown in the preseason world. Um, And then they will be playing against the uh, Tennessee Titans to finish things off. So, um, didn't really get a ton from the big names, but we did get um, a lot of the other guys taking uh, their, uh, I guess I could say, uh, chance um, in terms of... uh, making, uh, you know, a name for themselves in a lot of these guys, so, um, you know, I think that's, uh, that's the situation, so, um, New England Patriots, uh, apparently, uh, are, uh, looking, or could be looking, uh, to get rid of Jalen Mills, and I saw this article talking about, um, the Patriots, uh, Potentially trading him to the Green Bay Packers. Uh, it doesn't exactly say what the return would be. They wanted to get rid of him and did. And then brought him back. Uh, this is from uh, Wisconsin uh, Sports uh, Heroics. Um, is the name of the, the website. Um, so they talked about Jalen Mills. And you know bringing him in with uh, Jair Alexander uh, Rasul Douglas. Um, and... Uh, you know, Eric Stokes, um, and uh, those are options uh, that are very good for the Packers, and then bringing in Mills, um, more so just for assurance with injuries, um, so they could try that um, if they wanted. Um, then, I saw this article from 98.5 of Sports Hub talking about uh, resetting the New England Patriots wide receiver depth chart after camp, and... I want to talk about what they say and then kind of give you my own thoughts on the depth chart itself. So, um, this is in no particular order. They just kind of throw these names out there. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne, Demario Douglas, Tyquan Thornton, Keyshawn Boutte, Ty Montgomery, Trey Nixon, Malik Cunningham, Riley Webb, Thyrix Picks. So, um, that is basically uh, all of our options, um, and, uh, when they look at all of the different, uh, potential players, um, they have a bunch of different, uh, wide receivers. They break them down in different ways, so they have X wide receivers, which they have Devontae Parker, Quan Thornton, and Keishon Boutte, um, and they say Parker is going to get most of those snaps. Uh, Thornton is probably going to be, uh, uh someone who gets uh, a decent amount because he was a second round pick um bute has improved and i don't know if that's going to um i don't know if that's going to uh, change things but uh he could end up being um you know someone who plays a lot more than expected and it would be a very bella thing uh to take the second uh round pick and say see you later and take uh the sixth round pick who has a lot of raw talent and say let's let's roll with him uh who knows um so those are your um x wide receivers and that's kind of what they say um and kind of a little bit on what i say and then i'll talk about the depth chart in in theory Uh, they say slot receivers uh juju smith schuster demario douglas riley webb um and uh is obviously number one douglas could be, uh, maybe a fourth, fifth, sixth option, who knows, uh, and I don't see Riley Webb getting anything there, and then Z, uh, wide receivers, they have also Kendrick Bourne, Taequann Thornton, and Kayshaun Boutte, um, I guess, uh, you know, some of those guys are gonna probably, you know, be X, some are gonna be Z, so, uh, those are your wide receivers right there, uh, and then, uh, Pitts and Cunningham and Nixon are all Z options, um, but long shots to make the roster, according to 98.5, which who knows. Um, and then they look at also, I guess in this tight ends, um, running backs, other stuff, which I'll get to. So I want to talk about the wide receivers and where I see the projections, where I think they'll end up. So the wide receivers that I think will stay on this roster, Devontae Parker, Taekwon Thornton, Keyshawn Boutte, Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, Demario Douglas, and Kendrick Bourne. There will be six of the wide receivers on this roster. I think your top three, in my own opinion, are going to be uh, Devontae Parker, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Taequann Thornton. Yes, Taequann Thornton has looked a little rough around the edges, but they're going to have a lot of faith in him more so. Kendrick Bourne didn't play as much last year, and I honestly don't think they're going to have the same... Kendrick Bourne, um, you know, feels this year. And I honestly think he could be the the guy who surprised uh, everyone and gets cut. Um, but i put him probably just under uh, Taekwon Thornton um, right there as your four. And then I think between Boutte and Douglas, it's kind of a toss-up to me on who's five, who's six. Um, it could be either or, depending. Um, there hasn't been enough info. Jury's not out um so those are my six everyone else is probably practice squad or cu- I think Malik Cunningham's going to get practice squad to me and the rest are done um tight ends there's really only two tight ends Hunter Henry and uh, Mike Gaseki um and I also think uh there are a ton of other tight ends on the roster there's Matt skull Anthony Fursker, Scotty Washington and Johnny lumpkin But to me, if they were to get a third, it would be someone who's more of a blocking, you know, kind of tight end. And maybe Matt Skoll, who has the most experience of this bunch with the team, would probably be the one that gets the nod in that regard. I don't know if he can be a blocking uh, or receiver type, but I feel like he has uh, the best shot. Uh, Again, I don't know what they'll do. Uh, I think they're going to have three tight ends. Just one more for assurance and more of a blocking tight end for your third option. Then we have uh, running backs. We have Ramondre Stevenson. Um, I think the pecking order goes Ramondre Stevenson, Pierre Strong Jr., uh, Kevin Harris, and Ty Montgomery. Um, And Montgomery, I think, has the added advantage of the wide receiver-running back combination, um, which could make for him to be a big part of this team. Um, And... I think they saw a little bit last year glimpses of Pierre Strong Jr. and Kevin Harris. Maybe they turn out to be great. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, But Strong Jr. was drafted higher than Kevin Harris. He's going to obviously, since there hasn't been a lot of play with either, he's probably going to get the nod above Kevin Harris because of that. Uh, And he was like the fastest, or one of the fastest in um, the uh, draft. But that's. where we are so uh they say the sort of um top dogs the primary starting uh unit from Andre Stephens in at running back tight end Hunter Henry and three wide receivers Devontae Parker Juju Smith Schuster Kendrick Bourne as I said I think Taequann Thornton's that third but they put down Kendrick Bourne um and uh that's what they went with um and Obviously, you would expect sort of the next unit to be um, a tight end, maybe two wide receivers, and then some other, whether it's a wide receiver, another tight end, another running back, I don't know. And then um, I guess you go from there. But it's very interesting to see what they do with this roster. And I think you got to play the guys who are really on the bubble uh, more so than the other players. And so... If you don't see a lot of play from Kendrick Bourne or DeMario Douglas or Taequann Thornton, then you're probably going to know that they're probably safe. But if you see a lot of DeMario Douglas and Kendrick Bourne one-on-one uh, as wide receivers, then you're probably thinking, okay, we're going to try and keep one of them and move on from the other. Just just a thought for, for thoughts. Um, so there's that. So... Uh, The NBA has put out their Christmas Day schedule. This is um, going to come against the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, First game is Bucks-Knicks. Then second game is 76ers-Heat. Third game is Celtics-Lakers. Fourth game, Mavericks-Suns. And the late night, Warriors and Nuggets. Lakers will be in Crypto Arena. So they're not going to be at home. Um, And so this is going to be a very uh, well-contested game. Um, There was some crazy wins uh, last year. December 13th, Boston built a 20-point lead at Crypto before the Lakers took the lead in the fourth quarter. Uh, Jason Tatum tied it in clutch, and the Celtics destroyed it in overtime. And then six weeks later, uh, the Lakers um, had a dominating game until lebron missed the game winner and uh Jaylen brown was very good in ot and they won the second one um which uh is great uh so celtics will be playing against the lakers um for those of you who are fans of television there is another season that is starting to uh, come out in the winning time lakers uh series and i want to talk about this for a second so um, as I am somebody who loves watching the NBA, um, and obviously somebody who knows a thing or two about the 1980s, Lakers versus Celtics rivalries, matchups, what I can say in all of this is the show really looks at it from one side, as if you are a Lakers Fan, if you are a Lakers, uh, you know, proponent, um, you know, uh, it's one of those things where if you look at sort of the other side, you don't really get the most accurate description. Now, the show tries to paint Red Auerbach as the bad guy, they try to paint uh, Larry Bird as this hick racist, uh, just bad person, um, and They try to paint Jerry Buss, Dr. Buss, as this fun loving, you know, social, lovable character. And while I do like watching the show as a fan of the NBA and a fan of basketball, and some of the actors in there are pretty well known for sure, uh, not the best, what I would say, description of how it actually worked out. And. I think it would be great if this series ended that they made one looking at it from a Celtics perspective. Now, obviously, Hollywood is Hollywood, so they're going to want to focus on the Lakers uh, and do stuff with the Lakers more so. I mean, the mainstream media is based in New York. They're based in L.A. They don't like Boston, and the Boston sports teams were better. We know it, but they just don't like it, and so it's one of those things where it's hard to get a lot of uh mainstream media uh movies TV shows etc showing the Boston Celtics how truly good they were um and um this is obviously an exaggerated a little bit for TV um but uh while it is entertaining it does portray the Celtics maybe in not the best of um best of lights if you will um and so uh that is uh Something to talk about. Um, So one thing that I want to talk about is how the Celtics are going to plan on using Peyton Pritchard and how the guards' situation is going to work for the Celtics. Because at right this moment, Derek White is their starter. They got Brogdon, they got Peyton Pritchard, and they signed Delano Banton. So you got four of those guys right there. Plus uh, two-way J.D. Davidson. Not saying he'll get minutes, but I guess you really never know. So one of the things that I want to kind of talk about is the fact that they had too many guards to begin with, even before Benton, and too many guards who wanted a lot of minutes because Derek White, Marcus Smart, and Brogdon all needed the minutes they deserved. Now, you don't have to give Pritchard as many minutes. You know, Brogdon and, you know, uh, Derek White can steal some of Marcus Smart's minutes and they can have a good go of it and then you can give the remainder to um, the other guys. Um, But something had to budge and I think Marcus Smart was that something that needed to budge. Uh, I saw this article from Celticsblog.com. Marcus Smart was the cost of something needed to change. Um, And I felt like this team, and I've said this before, needed to do something to get rid of one of Tatum, Brown, or Smart because you've been to the Eastern Conference Finals, the NBA Finals, and yet uh, the only thing that has stayed the same is Tatum Brown and Smart. You know, you had Brad Stevens, you had Aimee, you have Joe Missoula. It's three different coaches, yet no championship. And so something has to give. And you had to try and move someone in order to make a case that maybe. It's just not working because you had so many other players over the last five years. Isaiah Thomas and Kemba Walker and Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier and Parkus Morris and, you know, insert Celtics player here. Um, you know, something had to give. And 2017 was when Tatum was drafted. And since then, you had the big three, if you will. Now, the easiest one to move, in my own opinion, was smart solely because His value was probably at the peak and it was going to drop. And also, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown were all NBA and you're probably not moving on from those two pinnacle pieces of your roster. So we ended up getting smart moved um, as a result. And um, the chemistry could have been off. uh, And there were just a bunch of different things in this uh, playoffs and a bunch of different things we've seen that have just been kind of off. Um, And so... You had to kind of make a move, and this article kind of talks about that, talk about, you know, you might have to uh, kind of make those moves and do that sort of thing, and then they brought in Porzingis, which helps them a lot, Um, and uh, that's uh, very important, bringing him in, and I think Derek White has played so well. He is ready to take the role of Smart, and there is a chance that he could be a better player than Smart in Boston. Um, it's very early on in his Celtics tenure. Who knows how long he'll be here, but he looks great, um, for sure. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, speaking of Marcus Smart, I saw another article from the same website. Uh, headline is, should the Boston Celtics raise Marcus Smart's number 36 to the rafters? Um, so I want to just take a second and talk about how idiotically stupid, That is. Um, The Boston Celtics, yes, have a lot of numbers in the rafters. But if you look at the guys who have come through Boston, and you look at the guys who have done something in Boston meaningful, there are a lot of names that are not on that list. You have Ray Allen and Rajon Rondo, who in their primes with Boston, uh, were both significantly better players overall than Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart has one Defensive Player of the Year award, And that's it. Um, Like, he has no all-star appearances. He has no all-NBA. He has nothing else. uh, And, yes, he was here for a while. But does he really deserve his number in the rafters if all he did was play for the Celtics for the long of his career? Like, is that all that gets you, like, a rafter number? I mean, yes, he was a great player for our team. And there are a lot of intangibles that uh, he brought to the table that a lot of players just don't have. And that's 100% true. But if you look at guys in the rafters, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Larry Bird, is Marcus Smart on the same level as those guys? Is he on the same level as JoJo White? Is he on the same level as Kevin McHale? No, not even close. And there were, when Marcus Smart got traded, a lot of people on social media who brought up the question, whether Marcus Smart's number should get retired, um, it's just not there. And yes, he's been uh, the longest tenured Celtics since Rondo, but at the end of the day, he hasn't given us enough and hasn't shown us enough to go out there and get his number in the rafter. To me, um, Marcus Smart is um, one of 10 players to spend over nine seasons in Boston and never miss the playoffs. Uh and uh, the other nine also saw their names uh, and numbers to the rafters, um, but uh, they also saw their teams raise championship banners, which Smart never accomplished. Um, so this is the list of guys here. Um, Nine-plus years, 500 games, never miss the playoffs. Kevin McHale, uh, Bill Russell, Bob Cousy, Larry Bird, Sam Jones, Bill Sharman, Casey Jones, Tom Heinsohn, Frank Ramsey, Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart hasn't done anything in his career outside of the one defensive player of the year award. Hasn't done much to to compete with these guys. And it would be almost disrespectful to the names on this list and the names in the rafters to put Marcus Smart up there. And yes, I liked Marcus Smart as a player. I liked what he did. There's a lot of things that happened that I can say, oh, well, he was a great part of this team. But Kevin Garnett played six years in Boston. And he had a bigger impact on the Celtics in his tenure than what Marcus Smart did for the Celtics. And I don't want to trash Marcus Smart because he's a good player and he was a big part of this team. But it's utterly ridiculous for somebody to expect or even throw out the idea of putting him up in the rafters. Because it's just not something that he deserves. He hasn't given us... Anything in his Celtics career to prove that, and just because you play nine years with the Celtics doesn't mean anything. And you know he's just a great player, and uh, that's all you gotta say. Um, And so to me, he doesn't deserve his number in the rafters. And uh, he was a great player for the Celtics for what he did, his defense. But a lot of his intangibles aren't things that are things that are recorded: grind, grit, hustle, leadership. Those are all things that you want in a player, but at the same time, they don't translate into uh, getting your number uh, retired in the rafters. And yes, this might seem harsh, but it's the truth. He has done a lot for Boston, but not enough to get his number up there.